How can I reduce or eliminate my real estate expense as an RIA? That is today's question on the Transition RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 74. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, if you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, you can find all of the resources I make available from this entire series in video format, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers, all kinds of things to help you better understand the RIA model. Again, transitiontoria.com. Okay, uh, to, to jump into today's topic. So a couple episodes I get I made a I made a whole uh, show or episode on how to have the highest income as an RIA. So if you haven't checked out that episode, uh, take a look at it as a couple shows ago. Um, and in part of that, I did talk about real estate. And so, but I wanted to do a, an entire separate episode here to, to dive a little deeper into it as well uh, and, and talk about, hey, as if you were to go into that RA model, how could you reduce your real estate expense? And so there's kind of two main macro points I want to start with here at the, the, the top of this episode. Uh, and that's part of why are we even talking about real estate expense? Well, in an independent practice, and, and, and an RA is certainly in that camp, uh, the two biggest expenses you would have of running that practice are your real estate expense and your staff expense. Now, I'm not going to get into staff expense. I've talked about kind of different ways you may, might be able to outsource things in other episodes, and, and maybe I'll do an entire uh, entire separate episode on that as well. Uh, but because those are the two biggest kind of fixed expenses, again, real estate and staff, it makes sense that, hey, if in this case on real estate, if you can reduce or, or kind of an extreme example, eliminate that expense, obviously that's going to improve the P&L of your practice, hence why it's an important topic to be, uh, to be talking about here. So that's number one. Number two is that COVID has changed everything. So I am making this episode late in 2022. Uh, had I been making this episode three, four years ago, uh, things would have been looked at differently. But the reality is COVID has fundamentally changed what the entire country looks at from a, a remote work perspective or, or the need for office space in some capacities and those sorts of things. So Whatever your preconceptions were pre-COVID, just know the, the world has absolutely changed and you have to look at it through a new lens. And, and so some of the uh, some of the examples I'm going to give on this episode are, are kind of more post-COVID or, or, or after the COVID world that we live in uh, reality as opposed to what it was like five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago type thing. So just know everything has changed. You have to have, a, you have, to have an open mindset uh, because of that. So to kind of uh, at a high at a high level to encompass kind of the biggest part of how you could reduce or eliminate your real expenses is, is something I, I often refer to. I know it sounds clickbaity. The the dirty little six the dirty little secrets sorry of real estate expense and what that quote unquote secret is is that you need to be paying as an advisor you need to be paying for your real estate expense as a fixed cost not as a variable cost. So what I mean by that is if you are someone that's in a W-2 environment, maybe you're at a wirehouse uh, brokerage firm now, and so you are uh, you, you receive a payout for your services. You, you provide the service to the clients, you charge a fee, 
you get a payout on that. Now, as I talk about often in these episodes and different articles I write, I strongly encourage you to think of not just your payout, but the inverse of your payout. So what I mean by that is, let's say you're at one of these wirehouse firms, and I'm going to use very simple numbers in this episode. I know some of you will have higher payouts or lower payouts, or it's not always this clean, but for the sake of simple math, we, we, we will use simple numbers. So let's say you're at one of these firms and you're getting a 40% payout. Again, we're using simple numbers. Uh, now, I would argue, and I've ranted about before, if the payout table and the and the compensation plan says you're at 40%, well, the reality is you're not really at 40% because the other 20 plus pages of the comp plan are meant to whittle that down in different ways. Not to mention there's probably some of that is deferred comp. So you're you're not actually getting the 40%. So I, I want to acknowledge that because I talk a lot about that. But for the sake of simplicity on this episode, we'll say somehow you're magically getting that 40%. Again, which you're not, but for this example, we'll use it. So if you're in that wirehouse world and your payout is 40%, the inverse of that means you are paying your firm 60%. So mentally think of it as, okay, I am providing the services to my clients. You're the one that goes out there and finds the client. You're the one that retains the client. You are providing services. You're charging a fee for that. Think of, instead, I know this is not technically how it happens at, at, at wirehouse firms. This is the same for regional firms. Any type of W-2 firm where it's a payout structure. Uh, but the idea is mentally think that 100% of that fee comes to you and then you then have to pay your firm for the value and services they provide you so that you can provide those services for your client. And so that's what the inverse of the payout is. So if you get a 40% payout, you're the, the inverse of that, well, the reality is you're paying 60% to your firm. Now, they are providing you value. They are likely providing you an office. They're possibly providing you a sales assistant. They're providing you technology, those sorts of things. There's hard costs with that. They, they, they deserve to be paid for that. They're for-profit companies. They deserve to be able to generate a profit. But the question is, are you getting enough value for what that inverse is? So to use, again, very simple numbers, let's say you're a million-dollar producer and you're in that 40% payout. Well, that means you're paying 60% to the firm or $600,000. So are you getting enough value from your firm, that real estate, that sales system, that technology, for 600,000 and that's a million dollar producer. Imagine if you're a $2 million producer uh, that, that the, the, your payout would be a little higher, but that would be over a million dollars that you are paying to your firm and, and get in uh, certain value and services in return. Part of what you are paying for in that, in this example, 60% is again, your office, the office that you sit in, maybe access to a conference room, uh, those sorts of things. So you are paying for real estate now, even if it's not a line item, even if you're not writing a, a check each month, you are paying for real estate no matter where you are. Uh, and in a situation where you have a payout, you are paying for it via the inverse of that payout. So here's the problem. If you are paying for it in that variable nature, so variable meaning, well, the more revenue you generate, the more fees and commissions you generate from your clients, that 60% in dollar terms keeps going up and up and up. And yes, maybe your payout at some point, the percentage-wise will, will creep up a little bit. But the, the reality is the, the, the more you grow your practice, which hopefully over time you are growing your practice, the more you are paying to the house and the more you are essentially paying for office space. And the problem is your office doesn't grow uh, in proportion to what you are paying for it. So if you, as an extreme example, let's say you're a million dollar advisor 
Again, you're paying 600,000 of the house. Let's say you double to a $2 million advisor or a $4 million advisor. Your office space is not going to double or not going to quadruple. You're not going to have access to a conference room twice as big or a conference room four times as big, but yet you are going to pay close to two times as much, four times as much. And the reason I say close to, because again, your payout percent will, will vary some, but it's still going to be close to that. So that's the problem with paying for, for what is in reality for your firm, real estate is a fixed expense. They either own the building or they lease it. And that's and, and yes, each year it could tick up slightly because of increases in, in rental costs or increases in property taxes. But, but the reality is for the most part, it's a fixed expense for your firm. But as you grow your practice, that's a variable. You are paying for it on a variable basis. So if you increase your practice 50% or double it or quadruple or whatever the case is, you effectively keep paying more for the exact same office space you're getting. And that 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 is turning your PL upside down from an ability to, to manage the, the one of the two biggest expenses of running an advisory practice. So I, I encourage you to ask yourself, hey, how could I turn it actually, no, not turn it, but how could I realize it as a fixed expense? versus this variable expense nature as it goes up. So keep that in mind as we go through this kind of uh, episode here. I'm going to give some examples of how to reduce the cost. But the, the biggest one by far is you have to find a way to say, hey, I don't want to pay for my real estate as part of my payout. I want to pay for it directly. And the, the easiest path to do that is if you go down an independent path, whether that's the RA model or if it was with like an independent broker dealer, where you are responsible for, as they say, your local expenses. So you pay for real estate. And yes, you think, oh, I, man, I'm a real estate's expensive. But the reality is you are paying a lot likely right now for real estate. If you are a larger uh, producing advisor doing 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, think about the inverse of what you are paying to your firm and the value you're getting in a chunk. A big chunk of that is supposedly for the real estate. That can be a very large number that some of you are paying for for real estate, that is nowhere near that cost if you if you were able to pay it directly yourself. So again, the, the main goal is try to find a way that you can pay for real estate for the fixed cost real estate truly is, not pay for it on a variable basis. So now we'll dive into kind of ways, uh, so just some examples of ways to reduce uh, your real estate expense or, or in, in some cases, maybe even eliminate it. And, and again, I, I mentioned that the biggest one is find a way to pay for real estate yourself on a fixed basis, not a variable basis. That trumps everything else. If you can accomplish that, that's going to move the needle the most. But I do did want to share a few other examples of, of creative ways uh, folks are, are reducing that expense even further, even though it might be a fixed expense for them now. Uh, so the first one, this is kind of more on the extreme side, is, ju is just to go completely virtual, to not have an office at all. And you might say, well, I can't, I can't do that. And again, like I said, COVID has changed everything. I think pre-COVID, uh, that that argument is a, is a tougher sell. And you say, I don't know if if any if any clients would go for that. Are they really going to want to do things, you know, by Zoom or whatever the case is? COVID has changed all of that. Zoom is a common day uh, a thing nowadays that that most all people are comfortable with. So there are advisors and teams that are going fully virtual. They do not have an office presence at all. And you might say, okay, yeah, realistically, is that just for startup RIAs? And yes, a lot of startup RIAs that are they're starting uh, the profession from, from scratch, so they're no assets when they're starting. Uh, yes, they do virtual. Yes, it works for them. But I'll give an example where even larger practices. So 
Imagine you have a very niche practice, which is a lot of people say, hey, you should niche down in your practice. And, and let's say you are positioning yourself as the absolute expert on whatever niche you want, optometrists, and you are the go-to person and you put out all kinds of content, all kinds of resources, and you position yourself as the expert financial advisor for the needs and demands of optometrists. So when you're putting out that information, you are likely working to try to get clients, optometrists, no matter where they are in the country, not just necessarily optometrists in your particular town, because if you're putting out this content, all these resources, demonstrating your expertise, you're trying to attract optometrists in general. So if many of those clients will likely not be in your town, just, just by the fact that there's much more space in the country outside of your town than in your town. And so the, the reality is, if you're going to be attracting uh, clients from all over the country, most of those clients are never going to set foot in your office, even if even if you, you did have an office. They're not going to travel across the country to sit foot in your office. They're going to do everything virtual, everything remote. And, and again, that is doable. And we're seeing that happen because if you can demonstrate expertise, trustworthiness, that you are the go-to person, again, particularly for a niche, people are, 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 are working with advisors that are not in their same geographic area. And so the reality is if most, if not all of your clients are not local, you don't have a need for a local real estate office. You can fundamentally change your P&L and, and dramatically reduce and eliminate that, that part of the expense pie uh, if you wanted to. So number one is just a virtual approach. Again, it's it's not for everyone, but just know that you've got to think outside the box and that it is for, for many advisors and teams becoming more and more feasible. And to the degree that does work for you, that is a massive cost savings if, if you were able to implement that. Uh, so the next one is kind of a more of a hybrid approach. To that. So maybe that kind of scares you off and you say, yes, most of my client interaction on a day-to-day -day basis will be virtual, will be on the phone, will be Zoom. Maybe I go to see them. Maybe they're not even located in my city, so they're elsewhere. So of course it's going to be virtual. But I do still have some clients that, that do insist on coming in and, and seeing me in person, or maybe, uh, you know, at least with the local clients, uh, when they're prospective clients, I, I do feel that's part of my kind of value proposition to put forward is to have them meet me in the office and see the office. So, so an example there is, is kind of use a hybrid approach where, yes, you can do a lot virtual, but maybe you still want office space, but maybe you don't need the same footprint of office space that you would have needed pre-COVID. Maybe you only need half the space. Maybe you can get, a, get away with a, a conference room and maybe just one or two offices and, and maybe a reception area where before maybe it was, was something much larger than that. And so an example I've seen with teams is let's say you have a team and it's, and it's four or five advisors. Well, if most of the advisors are going to be working remotely on any given day and not coming into the office, maybe you only need two offices for advisors. And those offices are just set up as workstations. They have a docking station, they have a monitor, they're ready to go. So whichever of those advisors needs to be in the office that day, all they have to do is bring in their laptop, set it down, and they're up and functional. And you can just coordinate it amongst yourselves of who's going to use what office on what day. And again, if you're not all showing up every day, uh, or let alone even remotely every day, you maybe don't need a standalone office for everyone. So you can potentially reduce that footprint quite a bit. So, so consider a hybrid approach. Could you, uh, knowing you might do a lot, a lot virtual, then maybe that remaining office footprint that you feel you maybe still need could be a lot smaller than, than the kind of pre-COVID mindset where the thought was, oh no, every advisor needs a full office. Every member of the team needs a full workstation. We need the full conference room, maybe two conference rooms. 
Think about, could you reduce that down and manage that in the, the new kind of quasi virtual world that we live in? So that's that's the second one. Uh, and then the third one I'd just say is, is get creative. Think creatively about how you could do this. So I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a wirehouse team I'm working with um, that, that they're still currently at the wirehouse. They're still paying their, for the real estate with that variable expense. But they are uh, just independently on their own. They are members of this high-end social club uh, there in their town. And so they have you know, a, a pretty healthy fees that they pay for that, but they get access to nice facilities, uh, the, the club facilities that they can uh, go to themselves. It has, it has a restaurant in it, it has bar area in it, and it also has meeting space in it. And so what they often do, uh, just because they like doing it this way, is, as opposed to clients necessarily coming to their office, they say, hey, client, you want to meet at the social club? Because this is a nice social club. I'm a member there. I can get you in. We can have a good time. We can meet there. And a lot of their clients like doing that and, and actually prefer doing that. Uh, and so what, what these advisors are thinking is, wow, if we were to break away, do we, do we the advisors, even need our own office footprint? Because one, we could, we could do a lot virtual. Two, a lot of our clients want us going to them now anyways, whether that's meet them at a restaurant or maybe even their house or whatever. And then, and then we also have this large chunk that if, if we're going to meet kind of a, a third neutral third party, they want to meet at the social club. So why do we even need an office footprint? Maybe we can get rid of that. When needed, we'll use the, we'll use the social club facilities, uh, which by the way, had, had meet-in facilities in there. So if they need more privacy or a conference room, they can, they can rent it by the hour utilize those resources. And so it's it's occurred to them, wow, we, we could do a, a really interesting hybrid approach. And by the way, we're already members of this social club anyways. It's not going to be an added expense to our to the, the cost of us. And, and if anything, it will turn it from a, a personal expense in their life into a business expense. So, so an even uh, better savings there. Um, but that's a way to think creatively. Uh, another example is you see, I'm down here in Florida. Uh, you see a lot of Northeastern uh, financial advisors that a lot of their clients are migrating south as they get older and coming to Florida. And so many of those advisors are realized, wow, half my clients are now in Florida uh, and maybe even more than half. And I have half still up in somewhere in New England. And so they're realizing, well, if I'm going to have office space and maybe I do feel I need some amount of office space to get maybe that hybrid solution. Uh, it, well, it's a lot cheaper down in Florida than it is maybe in New York. So if I'm going to have that footprint why don't I have the office space down there? I'll do things virtual where needed. And I can always travel back to, again, perhaps New York and have those, those meetings in person, which right now they're doing anyways, because their clients are already split one place or the other. They are just recognizing, okay, if I'm going to have that office footprint, why don't I put it in the, the, the lesser expensive locale and, and utilize that as a way to reduce my cost as well. So again, the main point there is think creatively. Again, with COVID, things have changed. How you can implement virtual, how you can implement kind of one of these hybrid approaches. The world has changed. What would work best for you uh, and obviously work for your clients? But, but whatever you thought the answer to that was five years ago, 10 years ago now has, has fundamentally changed. So, so rethink how you could do that. So the, the thing I would wrap up with, I, I thought this was uh, best position. I was talking to I was talking to someone about this topic once and talking about the the, the amount that, that you know, for instance, wirehouse advisors are, are paying in this variable expense and how a, a big chunk of that is for office space. And for, for many of you advisors that are larger, if you're 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, $5 million producer, that, you know, you don't get a breakdown of what that inverse of the payout is going to. They don't say, oh, this, this part of that is going to real estate, you know, whatever the case is. But effectively, again, that is what is happening. And, and many of you, 
uh, the, the person I was, I was explaining to this, they, they came back and said, wow, some of these advisors that, that they are paying so much back to the house, back, back in that, that inverse of the payout. And a big chunk of that is, is in theory going to real estate that if the advisor were to just capture that themselves, again, in that independent nature, they'd have to pay for the real estate themselves. For what they are paying for real estate now, they, they, they don't get a line item. They don't get an itemized bill that shows it. But effectively, what they are paying for real estate now, not only could they get very nice real estate that they could lease, they could be buying a property and potentially acquire the property relatively quickly if they, instead of paying their current form this huge amount for effectively for real estate, they attribute it to actually acquiring a property. And that's a that's a whole wealth building event on its own. So if you were going to be paying this large amount for real estate, you might as well be acquiring property as part of that, acquiring your own office space. And so I, I thought that was a great way uh, that, this, that this gentleman framed it up that to make you think, wow, it's not just paying a lot. Maybe I could save some. It's it's not only that, if you, if you were willing to pay that much, we'll redirect that and actually acquire property for yourself. Don't be essentially acquiring it for your firm. Uh, again, massive, not only just uh, P&L advantage, but, but wealth building event as well. Uh, so with that, I, I hope this has helped you think through uh, you know, some of the variables in the, of, of, of running your own P&L. That's one of the benefits of having your own RIA or being in an RA model where you're, you're responsible for your local expenses. You have the ability to manage these things, these quote unquote local expenses, and, and you can get creative and there's ways to, to reduce or eliminate those costs. And so that is one of the big benefits of going into the RA models, the flexibility and the control you would have with that. So hopefully this has got you thinking about how you might do it if you were to transition into the RA model as well. Uh, and that's the, this is the type of thing I have conversations with advisors all the time. So if you'd like to chat about this topic, uh, certainly happy to have that conversation with you as well. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, if you're not already there, if you head over to transitiontoria.com, again, you can find all the resources, the videos, the podcasts, the articles, the white papers. Uh, for those of you watching this on video, as I mentioned, it is in podcast form on any major podcasting platform. Just search for the Transition to RIA podcast. Uh, you will find it. Uh, and if you want to talk about today's topic or anything else RIA related, on the website, there's a contact link at the top of every page. Just click on that. You can instantly and easily schedule time to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me. Happy to, happy to chat with you again about today's topic or anything else RIA related. Head over to transitiontoria.com. And with that, I hope you found value on today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.